Welcome to Soul Via Soul, the podcast where we embark on a journey of self-love and true wellness. I'm your host, Jada, and I'm absolutely delighted to have you here with me as we dive into all things mind, body, and soul. Each week, we explore topics ranging from nutrition and fitness to mental health and mindfulness, all with a strong emphasis on self-love. Why? Because when you truly love and care for yourself, you unlock the key to living a life filled with radiant well-being. It's time to learn how to honor our bodies, nourish our minds, and awaken our souls. Now, what do you say we get this thing started? Let's dive in. A lot of women struggle with the body that they see when they look in the mirror and fully loving and embracing that. And that to me is the core issue of it all. In high school, I swam, I played water polo and I was in gymnastics. The body image issues, I guess I would say that I've had throughout my whole life have stemmed from like, I've always just been in the bare minimum <laughs> of athletic clothing. It's really the embracing of and loving the vessel you're in and having the goal to be strong, powerful women. Mm -hmm. But it was like I stood on the scale and the charts right in front of you with yeah. the little red line and you you go like this and you go like this with your weight, your height and your weight and it's red. It's always been like that for me. When you are under that amount of stress, your body will go into sympathetic hyperactivity and then you're not going to be able to lose weight So Maggie, it's so nice to have you back in the garden <laughs> and talking about all kinds of things. And one of the things we share and that I think is so common when it comes to female athletes is the struggle sometimes with body image and being a female athlete and just navigating the female body, actually, when it comes to athletics and performance. And you and I were both collegiate athletes, you in swimming, me in running, and then found each other actually through <laughs> our connection with triathlon. So I thought that it would be really good to talk about right now, especially as the uh, we're into, um, we're still in mental health awareness month and we are, the weather is warming up and it's time to start shedding layers and get on the bike, get in the pool, get on the trail. And with that, sometimes we pick up a little extra weight in the winter time, and that can be a struggle just getting back out there. But just body image as a female athlete, and actually even the struggles with food and how you integrate nourishing your body, loving your body competing as a female athlete and some of the struggles that you and I, and we've talked about just outside of this, the things that we have both encountered. And let's talk about that because it's not just you and me that have experienced these things. I think any female athlete, especially a young athlete, as you're growing into your body and you have to perform there can be some struggles and there can be some issues of how do I navigate this body, love it, 
and have it perform for me on a competitive level. Yeah. Now, I know you as Maggie. I know you as business Maggie. I know <laughs> you as triathlete Maggie, but you're also coach Maggie. Yes. So this is now an area where you have been able to take your loves and your passions, and now you're kind of in this leadership role where you are able to mold and shape and influence the lives of young athletes. Tell me what that is like and, and how are you treating that differently or what are you taking from your own past with your own struggles that you are now bringing into these young kids? Yeah, it's so fun being around that age, but it, it you realize the influence you have on them and how important that role is more so than anything else. And so I think I always make a effort to not even overemphasize, but just like, hey, we're getting off the bike and we go to swim practice. They always see me eating a protein bar or eating something. I'm having a banana. I'm having like making it visible that like, hey, I'm doing this after I'm working out with you guys. Like this is something that you should be doing as well yeah. without even having to verbalize it. And they are going to see that and yeah. they're going to emulate what you're doing. So yeah. it's important that you're not starving your body, you know, and especially withholding nutrients to look a certain way. Right. Do you see that? Do you see that? And well, of course you see it because I, we've both seen it. We've talked about it, but do you still see it like in the girls that you coach and in the, the your peer athletes? I wouldn't say I see it too much. I mean, I don't spend all day with the kids that I'm coaching right now, but in general, I think of that age it's still very prominent. And I saw it growing up. It's sad. A lot of times I see like things come across on TikTok or social media of the what I eat in a day. And um, I'm thankful that there are a lot of people out there promoting that sometimes those are very unhealthy and that's not, you shouldn't be always listening to what other people are putting on the internet, but you see collegiate runners do it and they're, you know, every meal looks like a snack. I mean, I myself started working with a nutritionist, more so just making sure I was eating the right foods mm -hmm. because not so much wanting to lose weight, wanting to gain weight. I'm just at this maintenance phase in life and dealing with the like changes of your body. In high school, I swam, I played water polo and I was in gymnastics. So I think for a long time, like that's where a lot of like the body image issues, I guess I would say that I've had throughout my whole life have stemmed from like, I've always just been in the bare minimum <laughs> of athletic clothing. And it's and especially like lifeguarding all summer. Like mm -hmm. I was in a bathing suit on average, probably six to eight hours a day. Wow. Like for my high school and college life, you kind of get used to that. And then the minute your body starts to change and you're looking at yourself and you're like, Oh, I don't look like what I used to look like. I saw a big change in my body post high school. And I think that was definitely like a slowdown of activities. Right. And, you know, I started, my hips started to develop. And I was like, where did these come from? And you get to that point where like a lot of your clothes don't start. Well, what do you have a baby and then intermenopause? <laughs> yeah. You think your body changes now? You wait. Yeah. <laughs> and then I experienced that again, a big shift after college. And it was ironic because I was still 
moving my body a lot. I was still actively working out. Um, but I noticed another like significant like weight gain, both entering college and then entering like full adult life, like post-graduation. And I think myself specifically, a lot of it was like a stress reaction and just bringing more, um, I was, I think I was eating a bit more, but, uh, the effects on stress on like your weight gain, I think were prominent yeah, in and, those periods of life too. And we don't talk about that a lot. I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of, a, a lot of women my age, mm-hmm. <clears throat> not to really tell you how old I am because that, <laughs> but older women, right. <laughs> Um, but still athletic women who enjoy moving their body. And, and as of course I encourage and promote health and wellness. And so exercise and moving your body is absolutely a hundred percent a part of the puzzle like that, that absolute, you got to move your body for a lot of different reasons. But it, for me, it's not to lose weight. Mm-hmm. It's to maintain my gut health. It's to maintain my, um, self esteem it helps me calm my mind it's like a mood stabilizer like yeah. spending time in nature is is just a wonderful emotional regulator like it 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 provides so many other things um but a lot of times we don't recognize that when we are under stress our body won't lose weight and a lot of women who are hyper focused and stress and even younger women um athletes who have the stress of especially collegiate athletes, let's say you are on scholarship and you have to, you have to perform like you have to perform or you're going to lose your scholarship. That's a ton of pressure. You have to perform academically because if you don't keep your grade a certain point, you lose your scholarship. And then there's the social pressure. So a lot of, a lot of young, and again, I say young and old, I think it's across the board, but if we're kind of talking a little bit about collegiate athletes, then um, there is this pressure to perform at a high level and that creates a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. And those are counter forces because when you are under that amount of stress, your body will go into sympathetic hyperactivity and then you're not going to be able to lose weight even if you starve yourself. And that's actually what happens is that the stress causes... an inability to lose weight and a weight gain potentially in some athletes. And then they get triggered into, Oh my gosh, I need to lose weight. So they start restricting and now they're in, in dangerous eating patterns where they're restricting even more and even more and even more. And it's not moving the dial Mm -hmm. because what's happened is the stress levels are going so high. The cortisol is so high that now you're just, you're existing on fumes and, and that sets up a dangerous pattern and can create a lot of unhealthy eating habits. Now I saw that when I was in college, I know a lot of women still struggle with unhealthy eating patterns, restricting, hoping that they're going to drop a few pounds. And I know you have probably seen that in college too. Were you ever like, did that ever enter your realm? Was that ever something you struggled with personally? Yeah, I I think probably similar to most athletes that it can come on very um, unknowingly, I guess, mm-hmm. unexpected, or you just can't keep up, you know, especially just being an active person. And I swam D3 and we only had, uh, we had practice once a day, sometimes twice a day. But I, I know 
personally a lot of D1 athletes and coach athletes that have gone off to college. And sometimes that workload or that performance load, your daily hours spent exercising increases double what you're used to, depending on what you're coming from. And you can't keep up with it. Yeah. And especially kids, I think especially around that like middle school age, getting into a high school age when they're noticing like their practices are now one more hour a day. They're being active seven days a week. And if that starts happening and you can't keep up or you keep sticking with that same diet, you might still be eating, you know, 2000 calories average, whatever, but you might need 26. And that's where I think like it comes in that if you're under fueling and, you know, still like gaining weight or you're not, you know, you're, you're noticing differences. There's a lot to, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of causes in yeah. that, but I, I did. And it was funny. I actually recently, <laughs> a few weeks ago, looked back. I still use like the, my fitness pal app, mm-hmm. which is with my nutritionist, which I don't personally love using it, but it's nice to like check in every now and then. And sure. that's how I use it. Cause I think I used it so like day to day and like it controlled what I would eat Correct. for so long that now, and I had the conversation with him. I was like, Hey, I don't like doing this. Yeah. It can create a hyper focus. Yeah. And that can be dangerous. Yeah. And so he's like, yeah, you know, just once a week or, you know, whatever, just to see what you like to just to generalities. Yeah. Yeah. What am I eating? What, like, what is the big calorie take? Am I, and for me personally, I use it for protein intake. Like, yeah. A lot of women struggle with protein intake. And that's actually one of the biggest things that actually helps you gain muscle and lose weight yes. is protein, but we don't <laughs> eat enough of it. Well, and, and when I had gone back, cause I was curious and I knew that I had spent like two years of my life that like my fitness pal was like my Bible <laughs> mm-hmm. and I was putting everything in it. And it got to a point where I would like plan my entire week worth of like food. And it was like, I'm going to have this for breakfast every day and this. And that if there was ever a day I was going to get Chipotle, it was like I rearranged everything else around my day so yeah. that I could consume 1,000 calories of a Chipotle burrito bowl. And now it's like, I just, I don't know, unhealthy way of. But that's, it's subtle in that way. Yes. And so sometimes our well-meaning attempts to track things and be cognizant of weight. And um, my scale broke like, I don't know, a year ago. And I haven't actually weighed myself in a year. I have friends who weigh themselves every day. And I too have gotten in that pattern, especially when I was training of getting on the scale every day and being like super excited that I maybe dropped two pounds, but I had just gone for like an hour run. Like I was dehydrated. I wasn't, I hadn't lost any weight, but I was like, yes, I felt this sense of I'm losing weight. And then I get on the scale the next day and it was up three pounds. And I'm like, I would feel defeated. And as a result, then I would restrict that day because the scale showed a number that I didn't like. Yeah. And that's where it gets dangerous because our body weight will fluctuate even throughout the course of a day. It will fluctuate based on hydration levels, time of the month, time of the month. And, and as athletes too, I mean, I was actually talking about this with, um, with someone just recently about being a female athlete and having menses, it's going to cause a re- <laughs> menses. It's so I've technical. Never heard that. 
when we get our period, when Aunt Flo comes to visit. Menses. I know. I was. I paused because I was like, how do I say this? Like, how do I say it? So I went with the technical biological definition, but we don't know what we're saying. Um, but there is a evidence-based reduction in athletic performance prior to the start of your period. There is an increase in athletic performance right after you start. And now you can't control that. But here's what can happen if you get in that dangerous pattern is that if a woman's body weight actually gets below a certain percentage, you will stop menstruating. Yeah. You take it out of the game. You're like, fine, I'm just not going to have a period. I, I want 100% top performance every single day of the month. I don't want to deal with all that nonsense. I, and I don't even want, I'm going to take it out of the equation. And you starve yourself to the point of actually not menstruating. And that may sound extreme to maybe some people listening, but that's not an extreme thing in especially collegiate runners. No, I think it's probably if you were to survey a D1 yeah. track and cross country yep. female team, yep. you'd probably have more hands raised saying that they don't currently have they're mentees what did you call it Men menses menses <laughs> not like mensa like the super smart thing uh you know iq thing but it's and i think it's um sadly like a uh metric of intensity it is sometimes seen as like you are such a high performing athlete that you've done that like and a I, badge of honor yeah like that should never be no, because what it means is your body is so stressed out yeah. that you aren't functioning as a, a working female. Yeah. Like your body is like, it would be dangerous for you to actually even conceive a child. Right. So we're going to take that out of the mix because you are on the verge of dying yourself. So you can't support another life. Right. And I think that that's like a huge, I mean, huge red flag. Uh -huh. But if. You know, that's something that you can't normally see from the outside. No. And I think that's one of the things that I worry about just coaching the group of girl, like the age group that I'm with is anywhere from like 13 to 19. And you can't just look at a 15 year old girl and be like, that girl is unhealthy. Right. Um, because there's so much. But like in turn, and that, that's the thing. It's like, I don't know. If yeah. any of the girls are, are, aren't experiencing, you know, a monthly period because yeah. you can't see that. But right. all you can do is, you know, make sure that they're eating and, and telling them, like, you need to make sure you're doing this. And yeah. You need to be taking care of yourself. And right. we are, you know, so we have so many kids that are multi-sport athletes and they come from, you know, they have track practice after school and then they come to us and they ride their bike inside for an hour and then they do a brick run and then we go swim an hour later. And wow. there's been times like we'll have uh, girls join us after swim practice on Saturday and they'll come and ride with us and they'll come and run and they're like, oh, we're going to come to swim too or, you know, we're not going to run because we already did this. And I'm like, you got to stop and get food on your way to swim practice or you, you know, you've already hit three and a half hours today, I think you should be done. But do you think that there is that, that culture of intensity? Like I'm going kind of like what we talked about, like depriving yourself to the point of like starvation, like 
Do you think, especially on a collegiate level, that that is not even addressed and looked at and even in some respects encouraged? Yeah. I think especially in, unfortunately, more D1 programs Mm -hmm. than anything else because, like you said, there is more pressure to perform and there's more, you know, your scholarship's on the line. Right. And if you're not competing, you risk losing that scholarship every weekend if you're not in the race. Right. Um, And unfortunately, there is that metric of, you know, being a coach, too, of, of athletes and being a coached athlete myself over a decade, um, there is that need for speed, right? It's like, how do I get faster? How do I get faster? And so when you look at, especially if it's, we're talking about non-biking, if we're talking about swimming, swimming, they say it's all technique, it's all technique. Mm -hmm. And um, my daughter who, my oldest daughter who is a swimmer, I mean, she just flies through the water and I don't even know how. And I'm like, what are you doing differently than I'm doing exactly the same thing you are? Um, but it's all technique. But, you know, biking and running, you can do certain things to your bike that make you faster. You can get these kind of wheels or you can get this kind of helmet or you can get this car- carbon frame. You can get all these things that shave time because mm-hmm. it's all about time. And the other thing that they talk about in biking is, well, you could spend $2,000 in getting these really fancy wheels, or you could lose 10 pounds, and you're going to have the same increase in speed. Same thing is true with running. For every pound you lose, you gain like five seconds a mile faster or something. Like there is, it's it's a quantitative measure. And so I think, unfortunately, that is used too as a coaching technique is, oh, you want to get 20 seconds faster, but... We can't push you on speed level on speed work. We can't you, we can't run any longer distances. But if you drop ten pounds, you're going to qualify for this race. So get to work and lose it. Yeah, it's dangerous. It is dangerous, and, and I think it's so prominent in running specifically. I'd say I think so too. More endurance sports, but and it's it it's hard too because you do see that you know i mean look at the pro field at the boston marathon you know it's it there in some sports there is a specific body type body Mm -hmm. composition yeah now do i think all of that is healthy i don't think so i i would i think it's safe to assume that there's a lot of even professional athletes that probably struggle with the same kind of eating um restriction and body composition but maybe they have people that they work with that help them do healthier ways of going about losing five pounds before a big race yeah but I don't think that a lot of high school and collegiate athletes one either have access to that or two are unfortunately misinformed or uh, going along guidelines that are not specifically made for like their specific body type because I I think there's healthy ways to go about losing weight and um you know like myself personally I I know that around the summer and race season I tend to try and drop like five pounds but that's also not a three-week process right (laughs) that starts like February 1st right and it's not so much of like a food restrict I mean I'm 
quote unquote restricted in calories and and what I'm supposed to be eating throughout the day, but that's more so just like balancing my maintenance of my current weight. Um, but the minute that my activity increases and the minute that my weekly hours increase, I, like I'm more carbs, more protein, more this, right. more calories, but I'm still losing weight in a healthy way. And that's right. why I hired somebody to right. help me because, because I don't know. <laughs> and it's tricky. And and you talked about body image and I want to talk about that because that is actually a lot of women take athletes out of it. I mean, that is a subset of the population that I think is potentially even a little more hyper-focused on body image. But I don't know any woman that is not a little bit, I want to say fixated because that sounds, it's not the right word, that is conscientious of her body image. We all want to look a certain, we have this ideal in our mind of what we think a a pretty body looks like. And it's funny, I have this conversation with my husband all the time because I look at the really athletic bodies that have no curves and they're just all muscular. And I'm like, that's it. That's the ideal. And he was like, no, it's that looks not. Like <laughs> you want curves. And it's the, it's the, you know, and I'm like, ah. Oh. And so there's this, you know, back and forth because a, a lot of times what a woman thinks is yeah. ideal, you know, a man is like, that's not at all what I find attractive. And of course this varies and everyone's got their own individual likes and dislikes and whatever. But a lot of women struggle with the body that they see when they look in the mirror and fully loving and embracing that. And that to me is the core issue of it all because disordered eating, body dysmorphia, now I'm throwing like technical terms, but the things that I see and deal with every day, depression, anxiety, um, especially the, the disordered eating and this um, discontent with, and this constant striving to, to look different, to change, to change this about the way you look or change this about the way you eat to get this desired outcome. Yeah. There's always this chasing to get to something that we consider ideal. And what I really help women, I hope, do is cultivate the love of the body that they're in mm-hmm. and and to recognize that it does so much for you you know like it it takes you throughout the whole day and it it carries you and it 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 allows you to do everything you need to do like yeah. and to approach that with gratitude now as a coach um is there anything that you do specifically to help the young girls that you see because it often starts here it starts when we start developing as a woman that you're like ah like you said what are these hips where did this come from where did this come from (laughs) what do I do with these things on my chest now like that's interfering with everything I want to do oh my gosh yeah um you know there's this whole bra industry of strapping them down so you can go faster like Mm -hmm. it's a big issue and for the men listening they have no idea Although if you're a runner, sometimes you have to do things to keep your nipples from bleeding. I don't have to do that because I'm always wearing a sports bra, but it's, it's a, it's a bigger issue as we, as we develop as women, this is where we can start those unhealthy patterns of body image. And if we don't really find peace with that, it can continue on forever. So are there ways that you as a coach that you address this or have talks with your young girls or even like encourage them to listen to this podcast on how 
to love themselves? So I have kind of like a long answer to this because I, it, this brought up a few things. One of them being when I was in high school, I remember having to go to the doctor for my physicals every year. And 15, I think it was my freshman year, my 14 or 15, whenever that was, I have always been like, I don't even want to say bigger. I've just been like a step above like an average weight. I'm a broader build. I have very broad shoulders. I've got big bones, I guess I would say. But at the age of 15, 16, I was uh, 5'7 and like 130, 135 pounds. And every check-in, I was on the overweight line for my average, like when they take your height and they go across. And like looking back at myself, I'm like, I just cannot believe that anybody would have told somebody that looked like me and was doing three sports at the time that I was overweight. And I like my doctor never really did anything more, but it was like I stood on the scale and the charts right in front of you with the little red line. And you you go like this and you go like this with your weight, your height and your weight. And it's red. I'm like, what? 15 year old, 16, 17, 18. It's always been like that for me. Like since as beginning I can remember. And it's sad that I had to tell myself in my head, don't look at don't that. listen to that. Well, and even I'm, though it's a medical professional, I am a medical <laughs> professional. Number one, and when I went to see my medical professional, number two, for my annual exam, same thing. She looked at the BMI chart, which is completely yeah. bogus, and she said, "Oh, you need to lose about ten to fifteen pounds to be in a healthy to be in a healthy." And then, so she looked at that, and I thought. I was training for Ironman at the time and I was thinking, I am healthy. (laughs) Exactly. And then she did the physical exam and she started, you know, looking at my body and examining my body. And she said, disregard everything I just said. Oh, because she saw that I was muscular. Yeah. Like my legs were solid muscle. And she was like, oh, you're not actually overweight. You're athletically built and muscle is heavier and denser and I'm so sorry I said that. Now she caught herself. Yeah. But but as soon as I did exactly what you did, I saw the BMI and I was like, well, I'm overweight. Yeah. And you you see that, and that's actually an unrealistic measure for health because mm-hmm. it really is way too stringent, and it does not take into consideration the female build. I can't even buy jeans that fit my thighs. Yeah. Because my hamstrings are just too big yeah. from running. Like I I can't I don't fit in a normal mold as a female athlete. And so I think that's important. The BMI is super important because we're told we're overweight when we're not. And it's disheartening to hear. Absolutely. And and like looking at, I wish I like remembered what the thing is, but looking at like my height and what it says that my weight should be, I can't imagine my build, number one, because there are different builds and I like, I don't know what build I am, but, um, I put on muscle very easily. Like I literally could spend three weeks in a gym and my shirt wouldn't, my shirts wouldn't fit my arms anymore. Right. Like that's just how my body is built. But I can't imagine my, my height on with 125 pounds. I can't either. 
you and would be I, like, I have no problem sharing my, I'm 165 right now. Mm-hmm. And that's, but that's a healthy weight for me. Yeah. If I drop to 155, it's, it's noticeable. And yeah. I like 150 is my limit on right. my build. Right. But I think like, that's one, I, I like not talked about like weight and that's, we don't that's fine. It. Like a lot of people are, um, I've just gotten to a point where I just kind of embrace it. Yeah. And going back to... Well, my scale's broken. I have no idea. (laughs) And going back to, like, working with young kids, I take that um, memory of being in the doctors and being heard that, like, hey, you're overweight. And I wanted to be like, but I I swim and I'm in the weight room and I can bench press 180 pounds. Where does it say on that chart? Right. (laughs) Like, where where do I fit on that? Is there a chart for like superwoman awesomeness? Because (laughs) that needs to be on there. (laughs) And so I had to like, I had to bring that upon myself. And I did have, uh, like I had a great swim coach at the time and there was never conversation about what you looked like. It was, you were strong and we worked out to be strong and we swam like there was yeah. never like any conversation about yeah needing to cut weight or anything like that and that's something that i've always taken with me and i feel like now being a triathlete i have gravitated i think i always gravitated towards swim because i felt powerful and i knew i had a powerful body therefore i'm going to use it to its advantage and do what it's good at and be mm-hmm. a powerful sprinter in the pool. And I think like now being in triathlon, I see that, you know, 10 times more on the bike is that like I have the build of a cyclist. You do. And I get on the bike and I am strong right. and I can push a lot of power. Yeah. And like I embrace that. Now, do I love the fact that then I get on, I'll go for a run and I feel like I'm carrying around like a weighted backpack or my thighs like are <laughs> monsters right like mm-hmm. no because it doesn't feel I don't feel the Fast. part yeah I mean, yeah runner. I don't feel the part but then again it's like I get on a track and I'm like I feel so powerful right now I don't like I never ran track or anything but I that's still something with running that I have to like consciously remind myself is like you're strong you're powerful like you're not a gazelle when you run. You right. sure as heck don't look like one. But you're strong and you're powerful and yeah. you can still be a part of this community even though you might not yeah. look like it. And I think that that to me is like the takeaway message that I this is a great way to wrap up this talk about female body being an athlete, embracing your body wherever it is, being okay with loving your body the way it is. And the, the goal, the goal is to be powerful and strong. Mm -hmm. And that's going to look a thousand different ways on a thousand different women. And there is no ideal. There is no perfect body size or type or image. And for any young girl or older woman listening to embrace the body that you're in and to love it. And, and we love it by eating high quality foods, by loving our body through food. We, we love it by daily movement, by being grateful that we have a vessel that's going to allow us to move our body and to, to, to do things that bring us joy. Mm -hmm. Like if you're not a runner, don't run. Yeah. (laughs) Go 
do yoga, go dance, go swim, go bike, go roller skating, like find what you love. It's not about competing so much, even though you and I both have had that in our past and we still compete. It, it's really the embracing of and loving the vessel you're in and having the goal to be strong, powerful women. Mm-hmm. That's what we should be striving for. Yeah. Are you ready to take your wellness journey to the next level? My monthly wellness membership, the VIA Collective, gives you access to exclusive weekly newsletters, empowering workshops, and transformative educational sessions every month. Within your member portal, you'll have access to a growing library of resources to immerse yourself in a world of self-discovery. Unlock the secrets of mindfulness, explore cutting-edge wellness tips, and connect with a vibrant community of like-minded women on a similar path. If you are ready to prioritize yourself and invest in your well-being, join the VIA Collective today and elevate your wellness journey to a whole new level. As a podcast listener, I'm giving you an exclusive discount. Head to the link in the show notes and enter code SVS Podcast at checkout and get half off your first month. Thank you for supporting Sylvia Soul. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and join our vibrant community. Stay tuned for more empowering episodes. Mm-hmm.